0: You're listening to the Bass Lessons Melbourne podcast. Episode 31, Neil Kennedy. doing? This is Craig here from Bass Lessons in Melbourne and today I'm joined by Mr. Neil Kennedy. So Neil, it's really great to have you around. No, nice to meet you. I appreciate you coming and bringing your some of your instruments as well. Thank which you. we will definitely get to talk about yep. very soon. Um, obviously you're uh, living in Melbourne. Yeah. Have you always lived in Melbourne or? All my life. All my yep. life. Yeah, he's yep. yep. Melbourne boy.
1: Born at, at the Royal Melbourne Hospital. Yeah right. And they've been here ever since. Okay. East? East, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, moved around Th- those areas are mostly now settled in Gully. Okay. It's very, very nice place nice. to retire to. And trees? Oh, lots of trees, yeah. Yeah. Lots of trees for making Bees. Well, you never know. There's some nice ones fall down occasionally in the Dandenongs, which yeah. are, uh, are worth going up to check out. Some, um, a lot of old blackwood trees up there. And they do fall over and somebody's got to use them. So Yeah. Uh, mostly I've um, been sourcing from different all Sorts of different places, and there's all sorts of good um, furniture timber places around as well. And they have very, very good quality timbers. Okay. And um, for the more well, like decorative tops on instruments and stuff like that, sure. you, I hang around woodworking shows and things like that. and uh, But there are really good suppliers around, I'm discovering as we, as we go along. That are well, um, yeah. oh, there's a guy in, in Dalesford, and he supplies. Um, Federa and uh, Sadowski and all sorts of people oh, with really? Blackwood all oh, year. And he's, somehow he's managed to get all the good stuff. So it's, it's worth going it's up and visiting him. As- this is uh, believe it or not Californian uh, Redwood, which um, was grown here in Jamieson, just just close to Dalesford. And what happened was the, um, the guy who uh, laid out the Royal Botanical Gardens 120, 130 years ago planted a lot of California gums up in Jamison, for whatever reason. And they're all just getting to the right age and falling over okay. now. So um, we have one what's of the, the- What's the legality with- It's the a foreign, foreign timber, so and people want to get rid of it. So right. it's about to fall over. So uh, Cole Clark have been able to get a, keep a tabs on these ones, and they know there's trees that are ready to come down and people want them to come down. So then the trees come down and they chop them up and bring them back to Bayswater. And they've got mountains of um this uh redwood which is fantastic on their acoustic mm. instruments okay yeah. and we're also using them on electric basses as well so it's one of the the top two but so the cap on top will be yeah. either that's that's a pretty thick it's a cap. i made it this way so that i could contour the the neck without losing the uh, without the wood disappearing oh sure, yeah so otherwise it was a very thin top that you'd be getting these big cutaways and stuff there. So it's more like a Les Paul cap, so it's 15 millimetres thick. And when I do the um, the carving here, I can, the I, can, I can maintain the top and just um, a nice straight line around here. Yeah. So it keeps it uh, three, uh, three centimetres thick here and 40 uh, millimetres will go to, 40 millimetres thick here, 30 millimetres thick here. And it just, if I find this makes it really comfortable to bring your arm over, there's no yeah. sharp edges and we don't need to do it deep, cut out in the back so it sits very comfortably I think anyway so you spend your life imposing new ideas on bass players and saying no I think you should be good like that but (laughs) when we started doing the um, project with Cole Clark was the first time I I had to think oh I wonder what other people really like so we started started asking around and getting a lot of um, feedback from people about size and weight and so forth and the thing I wanted to emphasise more than anything else was a very light instrument Mm -hmm. because as you get older the back gets a bit you know well it's good to
0: start with a light instrument when you're young yeah I think so that you don't end up with a sore back when you're older
1: but when you're older you still want a a lighter instrument anyway so worked on that Um, just keeping it lights made the body a little bit bigger than I've been making in the past so that it's only about work it out quickly it's about 15 millimeters wider than the pre- but it was enough to make it slightly different. This, this Re- yeah. Repositioned a few things in terms of making it ergonomically easier to use. Uh put the truss work uh adjusted down uh, here instead of up there. Yeah. And a whole bunch of things. And yeah, yeah. <coughs> so we'll um and it uh, yeah, really for me it was keeping as light as possible was mm-hmm. the was the big thing. And um did a variety of different fingerboards and we've I've tried out the standard ebony fingerboard which obviously everyone loves um rosewood fingerboards for a while until the ban on rosewood yeah came into being was that a big uh issue yes i was at the nam show um and that's all anyone talked about like they had these huge oh, seminars yeah. on the on, on the banding of the rosewoods and um so in. Essentially, provided you can prove providence and you've got paperwork and so forth, and you can export and sell it. But I've had people, guy oh, knew for years, bought a a nineteen sixties Fender, had it shipped over from England, rosewood fingerboard, no paperwork, bye bye, sent it back.
0: I, I don't, honestly, but then once the rule is you a draw, rule, you've got to draw the line somewhere. Yes, yeah. I I, well, when I shipped my base over. Years ago, I had an old, um, well, not an old, but I used to have a Lakeland Darrow Jones yeah. five string. And it came in and I got the call, you know, to say that it was in port because it came on a container, I guess, yeah. shipped over. And they wanted to they wanted to inspect it. Yeah. Um, and it was like $150 for them to inspect it. So I went down to the place and the guy's like, So, you know, what you got here? And I was like, It's a base. And he opened up the case and went, It's fine. I don't even know why they send these down here. Yeah like 150 bucks for them to just do it that, it's that, like that dry happens. treated cured finished yeah. timber like is it is it possible that I could bring in a uh,
1: but it's, it's a funny thing like, when I get fingerboards shipped over if it says guitar parts on the box they don't even look if it says wooden fingerboards oh suddenly it's in customs and they we need to and so it is I mean, was, as soon as I see guitar parts written yeah. on the box they don't care but as soon as they see if they see anywhere that so says raw timber, mm. then they want to inspect it. So make sure they put guitar parts on the box.
0: All right, good idea. Cool. So, um, how did you get into being a bass player? Oh, um, just always liked
1: it. Um, I was uh, about 14, and bought my first, little, this fantastic little coronet, which is basically a converted guitar. I've still got it at home. coronet? Yeah. I found one of those in little little a Savers yeah, last year. And it literally, yeah, that's like, yeah, it's that's like, fantastic. I want to be buried with it. It's just, it's <laughs> beautiful. And then um, eventually, went through a series of, they um, yeah, played at school, little bands at school, and so forth. Do you have a good teacher? Had no good teacher, school. no teacher. Oh, no, no, no. The, I was one of the first bass teachers ever to teach in the in the school system. Okay. So there were no no teachers at school. I got taught by John Reese from Men at Work. Okay. he was a bass teacher at Box Hill and a little shop up, um, in oh, I was in box Hill anyway and um, I taught by him for a few years and that was that was that was very good because he was a, a composition major and violin player as well as a bass player so he had a lot mm-hmm. of knowledge it was, it was very good fantastic guy' was really um, yeah really really good teacher mm. and then um, when I in, uh, bought my first Rickenbacker, which is, was my first really really nice instrument, because you're into yes or Motörhead. Yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, Chris Squire was my hero as well. Yeah, never got to see them live, unfortunately. No, no. Nah. Uh, I've got to see a lot of bands live. My first ever concert I went to as a kid was Led Zeppelin at what? Um, <laughs> yeah at the uh, Kuyong tennis courts. Wow, I can barely remember a thing about it because yeah. I was only about fifteen or something at the time. But it was just like <gasps> must have been pretty exciting. Oh yeah, yeah, it was very good. And then I went to the last Sunbury concert and got to see um, was that that was seventy five. So it was the it was the um, Deep Purple. They, they headlined. It was that was fantastic. And um, yeah, all sorts of things. So that's just get from. Being so kind of, so kind of growing up on a prog rock. Prog rock, prog, rock, prog rock was the was the, was the thing. Judas Priest, you Oh f- the whole lot. Yeah, yeah, got all the albums, and um, that's when I first saw sort Olympic of bases it was uh, in the hands of Greg Lake in uh, um, LP, and all the, that. They're, they're nice, and uh, uh-huh. being a, uh, I had uh, at the time. I had a mate on JB four. I was just studying at that time at, at Melbourne State College and uh, I fell in love with the idea of Wouldn't it be nice if we just bit there and a bit there and change that little bit? And so uh, the seeds was Yeah, then, so I built my first bass, which is essentially a bit of a cross between a mate and JB4 and an alembic. And the JB4, GB, was that jazz bass 4 or what? <clears throat> I have no idea what it stands for, okay. Yeah, it's <laughs> but it's um, the JB4 was it's was, had a god, it's great big fat humbucker the there and a little little squiggy thing there. I had them replaced and had had them replaced with Damasio's, I think it's at one point, yeah. And um, it was a fretless, and that was my my I was really, it was influenced, a fretless? By, I was really influenced by Jacko at that time, okay, so right uh, as we all were, and, and uh, I have... I've made it a policy never to learn to play Donnelly all the way through. I've learned bits of it and so forth. That's my excuse as well. (laughs) But I just, I I never, it just became that thing. It was like everyone did it. And of course you learn all the little phrases and so forth, but I never wanted to play the whole thing all the way through. But anyway, so I might have forced all my students to do it. It It's like a standard thing. But yes, I was very, very much influenced by him. And then I started building my first lot of instruments as a project in my third or fourth year at uni because they had big workshops and stuff there. What were you studying at uni? A degree in music, in music education. Okay. And um, then, um, so built the first five instruments just mucking around with the different um, construction types and so forth. I mean, it's even, even
0: nowadays with the, the wealth of knowledge and the easy access we have to like Undertaking building instruments, still a bit of yeah. a you kind of got to know what you're doing. Like,
1: I asked lots, lots of people lots of very annoying questions. Yeah, what well, the good thing was, everyone was happy, you know, to help you out and so forth. And sure, a lot of just you know, well, it has to work like this, it has to go like that. And um, then, when um, I went out and started teaching, I was teaching at Boxer Institute which is a large tape college, and they had great big woodworking workshops. So I was able to go, wow. what if I run this piece of wood through your thickness or so forth? And um, yeah, just been building ever since. Yeah, right. So since the 82, 83? And haven't stopped. So I did a lot of projects at Box Hill with students, and I helped them build a lot of instruments, and all the time still teaching and playing, mm-hmm. and, um, and then is became more involved in instrument design and building side of it. I did, um, and recording, so all my postgraduate studies were all in recording technology and computer programming and God knows what. But still, the main thing I'm really enjoying is this now, well, playing if I can, but not a lot, mm-hmm. but mostly uh, building and designing and mm-hmm. good fun. Um,
0: you've obviously seen, you talked about seeing Olympic and Rickenbacker, I mean, we were talking earlier on about how the industry and the technology and base building has just over the last well, thirty five years yeah. has changed incredibly, but yeah. at the same time not well, you know, you were saying how you, you were aiming to get your pickups in like P base and sixties and seventies
1: position, which is Mr Fender got it right, I think. He did a very very good job. Yeah. And also partly the pickup position has become part of the sound. Of the instrument. So, uh, yeah. sure, you can move into different places, but the established sound of what we listen for in a bass is going to be either a P bass or a J bass kind of position. Exactly. And when you move them around, yeah, oh, it's a different sound, yeah. but it's a different sound. And yeah. Is that the sound that you have in your head when you think of bass? <coughs> or, yeah. you know, if not, cool. And if there's a logical reason to move it because in your head you hear a different sound, that makes sense. But just you've got an established sound, the pickup positions blend really well. There was yeah. a lot of thought went into that when they moved it to the 70s position, it was a bit of a daft idea, it was just cosmetic, so the pickup sat more underneath the the ashtray that sat over the top. Uh, Because you look at all the 60s ones, you can just see the pickup just poking through, and the 70s ones, it's hidden Uh, back. Purely aesthetic, it moved to 10 millimeters, back. No idea, there you go. And, um, but it changed the sound quite a bit, so all the Marcus... Then that became... Yeah, and then the Marcus Miller basses all have the 70s position pickups because yeah. that's it. But most of them are now going back to the 60s position because that's the Jacko sound, that's, yeah. that's that J bass back pickup position. And um, it's a little bit warmer, a little bit fatter. Yeah. Back here in the 70s position, it's a bit bit harsher. Yeah. Blends differently. So Blends definitely, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, my F bass is 70s pickup position. Yeah.
0: Um, and yeah, I've played the same thing. F via five with sixties pickup with Alder um, and Rosewood, yeah, and that's Ash Maple, so the kind of classic seventies Marcus jazz bass thing, and it it is it's back pickup. I much prefer a sixties position back pickup sound yeah. Yeah. than seventies, but for the slap
1: thing, I think I'm a seventies. And look, it's 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 fine. Yeah, yeah. it's um, um, everyone's got a sound in their head too, and you hear so many different people. Um, and their slap sounds are so different, but they all work. And you and you look at Larry Graham's sound that he gets, and that's mm. a sound that would be different today than you hear Stanley Clark's sound. Yeah, the that, that uh, Alembic. And then that's and, but that's also a short scale because he was a 3075 30, 30. inch scale. The Olympics. Uh, Stanley Clark's Olympics were right because he he started off on a, a Gibson, and that was his first bass ah. when when. Um, uh, olympic building his first bass they just copied the scale length of the gibson so it's got a very short scale and the strings are a lot looser so when you get you hear the sound it's like it's the sound of that that um less attention on the string plus the pickups and everything else but yeah. you know, all he, his sound is is that it's a short scale instrument low attention on the strings and the, the classic you know, olympic eq system and pickups which are very very good yeah uh, but that's yeah that's where that comes from and the guy's a guy's like nine feet tall, you know, and it looks like he's playing. Yeah. Looks like he's playing guitar <laughs> because it is. It's a short. It's a about there. <laughs> yeah, bit easier to get around right on. Oh yeah, and but when you pick, less tension on the string, so he can pick. He can play a lot of. Um, he plays a lot of Spanish make things and so forth, which, which work well. Yeah. On um, the 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 shorter scale length, because you tension. can play that and you get that that different. Yeah the different sound and plus you can also when you dig in it's a totally different sound because of the tension and looseness on the strings you get almost like a slap sound and it's even more than that yeah yeah. um because of the lower tension so a lot of his sound is sounds like he's slapping he's actually just pounding the strings it's really it's a very it's a totally unique thing and it's come from the fact that he plays an instrument that's quite different interesting yeah A a lot of the uh
0: tones and sounds that we think of as being iconic have come around um,
1: because of choices by builders? Yeah. Maybe more so than... That was interesting. So it was a lot of builders, when, when we went to um, extended range basses, and we have these wider string spacings, resisted the idea of making the fingerboards wider. <coughs> so Anthony Jackson, who came up with the concept of the first six string bass, had quite a few built for him by different people and couldn't get them to build it the way he wanted to. And oh, with a wider the, neck? Yeah. And the first guy who did it for him was Ken Smith. And um, so, and he was the first one, okay, I'll do what you want. And he made this wider instrument, which had 19 millimetre string spacing, which was, up until then, they would all do like 16 millimetre, even narrower, because they couldn't get their head around the fact you might want that wider fingerboard. They thought it was difficult to get across. Yeah. So obviously, technique develops around <coughs> it. And so he, Ken Smith was the first guy who would make him an instrument exactly to his specifications, except apparently he wanted a half inch ebony fingerboard, which is like a huge slab of Ebony on it. So <laughs> that must have been uh, so heavy. Th- thinner thin neck, yeah. And um so he changed it a little bit from Anthony Jackson's specifications and he went to an eighteen millimeter string spacing, which is what I'm using here for example. Okay. Slightly narrower than a um than nineteen it's very hard to tell the difference, but it just makes it a little bit more ergonomic to get sure. across. Yeah. And um what what's your
0: Kind of out of the blue, bit, <laughs> just thinking about fingerboards and stuff. Like, yeah. what's your take
1: on on radius? Okay, on I use I use on mine a compound radius, cool. which is um, twelve inch to eighteen inch. So it's quite a flat. Right? Yeah, twelve inches is is, is perfect. Look, but you would <clears throat> um, I do prefer a flatter fingerboard. Yeah, and um, and that's just again personal taste. The Compound radius is just um, compound radius versus um, a conical radius is conical, cylindrical radius is almost moot because when you get the the the, um, the radius so wide it doesn't make a lot of difference. Mm-hmm. But mathematically you look at it. Well, it makes sense for it to be a compound radius because the strings expand. So sure. And but in reality, it only makes a difference if you're doing lots of bending and that's on guitars, Okay. so, so if you're doing oh, whoop, that sort of thing on, a, on a cylindrical radius you'll get a bit of buzz out of that on a guitar in particular yeah. so it doesn't whether it's a compound radius or not, I don't think makes a lot of difference it's actually easier for me I think to work to a compound interesting
0: radius. interesting because I think I think my F bass is 10 to 14 yeah um, and what I found is down at the at the nut is it's got more of that jazz bass or yeah. you can actually. It feels well, they're, more they're curved. Seven here. and a half inch radius, I think, on the Sure. Just
1: basis. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and then up the top, it's that little bit flatter. So maybe when you go for this, the smaller radius, it makes a difference down here to, to how it feels is it more
1: curved. It's it's why it was curved in the first place was to make it easy to bend and so forth because all the original guitars and so forth were flat fingerboards I guess you're you look at all the yeah, yeah Spanish. So it came from that that um, the, the classical guitars were flat and then um at some point because of the bending and so forth that was happening and because of the comfort of the way the the finger falls across the the radius um finger can have finger a little,
0: little
1: bit uh, yeah under here yeah. yeah yeah so they would have based it on that um as the neck gets wider and and we're not playing chords down here so we don't need to worry about that um just uh, most bass manufacturers i think are going for a, a flatter at least 12 inch radius okay and um on the the uh, the Clark's will be a twelve, twelve inch radius cylindrical all the way along, and it's they're set up for that, and it works fine. It's perfect. Yeah. It's just, um, I actually find it easier to do a compound radius when I'm because I, I do it by hand. That just, it's easier for me to do a compound radius than to do a cylindrical radius. So really? I, well it's just, but it's just the way I make them. So yeah. Um, but uh, either way, it doesn't make a lot of difference, I don't think. Mm. And when you when you dress the frets anyway, you dress to a straight line anyway. So you inherently work a bit of a compound radius into it by the fact that you dress the frets and you, you set them up the a straight edge along that. So whether the fingerboard's a 12-inch radius or not, you you'll eventually wind up with a sort of a, a compound radius anyway because of the way you set up the frets. Yeah, right. Yeah. Interesting. Um, there's obviously a huge amount of
0: maths involved in building instruments and I've definitely played instruments where um, I'm not going to name any brands or where it's just like you know this is mathematically or scientifically the best way that this should be What's, where, where do you sit in terms of you know this is what we think of as base and this is what I think is ergonomically and scientifically the best
1: is that the it's, it's a long answer or a short answer but the long answer is, is really <clears throat> if you I've seen a lot of I've read so many papers and seen so many things about people who've um, <coughs> made a better violin. okay. Oh, mathematically and so forth. It should be louder here if you do this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. And, you, and you hear it being played, and yeah, but it sounds like shit. <laughs> what can I say? Anyway, uh, So um, it evolves. The violin is, is a classic example. It evolves with people and just feeling, playing feeling the um when they're thicknessing the tops and they're just using finger pressure to work out what the give is and the wood as they thickness the top and so forth and it's pure intonation, pure um, intuition on the part of the people who are building it mm. it's the same thing with the base it's, it's it was initially it started off with um the first those those tally shaped bases the first 1951 models and then it's evolved and people have changed and modified and it's all to do with how it feels the mathematics of oh well if you um, if you do this and that, the, the, um, the string tension will be this and mm. it will have a, 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 a fatter sound or whatever, and you play it and you go, no, oh, it doesn't, you know, and it, it comes down to how does it feel, how does it sound, mm. uh, and you experiment with different timbers until you find the fingerboard that suits the kind of sound you want. Um, and Ebony's not always, Ebony's nice because it's black, but it's not always the best choice in mm. terms of what sounds good. You can have... Um, rosewood which is really really nice and then that's obviously no longer available to most of us and so um we've been experimenting with australian timbers river oak and um black bean looking for woods that sound similar to or have the same characteristics as rosewood but obviously indigenous Mm. australian timbers and um aren't endangered in any way so one of the things we really want to make sure is the instrument is completely sustainable, mm. and the choice of timbers is sustainable. Um, the ebony is available as an option. Um, I give it five ten years before they'll ban that as well, because it's a really poorly maintained forest and um, providence with the with the right. woods and so forth. So this will go the way of the dodo at some point. You might be able to get it. Otherwise, you can almost can't get decent spruce for the tops of guitars. The companies like. Um, taylor and gibson and so forth are paranoid about that because the only sickest spruce forests in the world which are up in alaska are being decimated so, right and they simply can't get trees that are old enough and wide enough anymore um, it's, it's a remarkably small amount of timber required to feed the world guitar industry it's interesting but they they these there's clear fell forests and, and turn into God knows what. Most of it's chipping because, mm-hmm. okay. unfortunately, spruce is very good for making paper. Or make way for mining or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but for the most part, what's happened with the Sika spruce forest is it's been, used, been chipped and making paper out of it because it's just, and um, so for that reason, they replant, but the trees never grow long enough or whatever become big enough to, to come. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's become very, very difficult for um, those companies because they rely on that, whereas here at least we're able to use local Australian timbers and we know yeah. it's sustainable um, I guess it strangely it, more expensive it but might um, make way for
0: to some extent um, some some new sounds oh yes you know because th- the Australian timbers maybe haven't been uh, mined in terms of you know not <laughs> in, in terms of the building scene yeah. as much as the, the classic ash and maple the, and all the, the of timbers them. that we're using
1: are um, Bunya Pine for the for the body. Again, okay. now this is uh, what they've been, it's called pine, it's not a pine, but it's called Bunya pine. Okay. And it's from up in Queensland. It's very, very light, very, very resonant. Cole Clark have been using it at the tops oh, on, the, on their instruments for uh, the guitars for quite a while, and they asked me to try it out. And so I tried it out and I was like, wow, so You've been using this for tops and you're using it for the body? I'm using it for the body, yeah. Same, and, same idea for yeah. the resonance. And uh, Queensland maple for the net, which is, everyone who's Tried and has gone, wow. That's yeah, absolutely fantastic. Right, okay. Different sound, slightly rounder, a little bit more mellow than... Um, uh, I've got one American maple neck over there. I tried when I was doing the um, prototypes, uh, but everyone who played it just went, yeah, we love the Queensland maple. So okay. it's, it's a much, I'd say the Queensland, uh, the American maple's a bit tighter and punchier, but this is a rounder, warmer okay sound and um and, yeah, with the choice of pickups you get a very punchy sound yeah and then anyway. you know this in combination with maybe like an ebony fingerboard yeah and it's, it's a combination yeah so this but these will come with the standard fingerboard will be a river gum uh river oak sorry river oak, okay. and then um which is a type of she-oak and then um The the necks are all carbon fiber reinforced and stainless steel truss rods and lots of stuff. Dual action one way? Uh, Dual action, yeah. Um, Um, Because we try to set them up so there's a natural back bow so that when it's comes up the tension, you're just using the truss rod just to trim it rather than huge amounts of tension on the truss rod to pull the neck back. Yeah. And uh, that works very nicely. So what what are some of the,
0: you reckon, the key um, influences that have affected your
1: building? Oh. In terms of. Who have been stealing ideas from? Those people. That's um, a euphemistic way of putting it. <laughs> the, my first big influence was Alembic. I just mm. love the look of them. I like the multi. It's funny, like, what, what what makes an instrument work as an instrument? What makes it pretty? It, it, you know, there's. I'd like an instrument, but I'd like it to have this amount of bling on it. I guess this it's nice the same kind of thing to, yeah. with the science and the, and, yeah. the, and the art and the bling. And, the- and so. Um, you can get just a body that's just one single piece of timber, but I do like the ability to be able to put a cap on it to give it a different feature and, and yeah. make it. The I've used a neck through design here, which negates a lot of the body timber. Right. It, it doesn't. You can't actually really see that. It's when a you look hidden. It's a it. hidden neck. That's what we call a hidden neck through. If you look at that. Back. That? Oops. Look oh. at the back. here. So it's a neck through right to, right to there, and same with the cap wood. We've simply. Believe it or not, the catwood is joined into there. So you have a completely separate neck, blank money all the way down. Okay. You can see on the back. Example, yep. The catwood is inserted there and you match it to the catwood on either side. Right. And but by doing that, the join itself sets up a reflection point so that the energy is bouncing around inside the, the neck. And all um, next through instruments, the, the body has less influence on the sound than the choice of neck and fingerboard. So on a bolt-on neck, because the sound has to be transferred through the whole body, you get a different sound because you're engaging the entire body in the resonance. Whereas on a neck three where you have the, the wings. wings slapped on the side, because the join creates a reflection point, not a lot of energy moves into the neck, uh, from the neck into the body. So right. you wind up with, um, I think it was uh, Ron Wickersham who runs Alembic, so only about 10% of the sound varies. Due to the body wings on the side compared to the neck so wow. the neck and the choice of timbers the neck and the fingerboard the fingerboard makes a massive which then difference. results in you being able to choose a timber that's maybe a lot lighter yeah. For, yeah for the wings and the body yeah and it does um i think it's worked out very well it's a nice punchy fat sound everyone has tried them um which is very nice of them <laughs> but because it's, it's like i said it's one of those things where i've spent my life building one-off instruments for people yeah. and sort of forcing my ideas on them and this is the first time I've had to think about um, the market what the of markets more of a middle see. ground
0: yeah. but it's, it's still like I we was talking about earlier on, it's still definitely within your tonal and aesthetic oh, yeah, it's, it's yeah. still on
1: like Neil Kennedy well, this, is the, this is the same body shape that i would use on my own um, yeah. uh, more elaborate instruments but they simply have more elaborate laminations in the body um uh, rarer, more elaborate, sexier pieces of timber on sure. top and so forth. Yeah. And I tend to laminate the back and the, the side, so you yeah. have a, a one piece all the way through on the top and back. A <laughs> very different con, construction to this. How did you arrive at your body shape? Um, <laughs> of the <base>. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, I, I Paul Reed Smith guitars, the way he contours the top of the body, oh, that's really nice. I like that. Yeah. So, and. Um, it was meant to be uh, an homage to Rickenbacker, a little okay. bit with the, the the way the the horns um, shaped the... If you look hard enough, you see it. Anyway, yep. and um, and then yeah, just what felt good and comfortable on me. Okay. When I was playing, so it was all based around the fact that I'm a player. Um, it's all based around what feels comfortable yep. for me, and so. Um, hopefully i haven't made any poor choices in terms of that but it is noticeable that we what was comfortable on me and i like slightly smaller bodies and so forth um when we looked into this and we said we'll we'll just make it a little bit bigger it keeps the integrity of the instrument but just people were happy with that um, slightly bigger body yeah and it's um it sits very comfortably i position the um the strap lock there instead of down there so it sits more upright yep. and try and keep the, the neck as light and smaller headstock as possible as well mm. so that we don't have any weight pulling down okay. on the... And you've got a cap on the headstock as well or...? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, in this one, we tried, well again, tried to match the, the cap yep. to the, because um, <coughs> a big feature of the, um, <coughs> excuse me, the red gum, I think red wood is the sapwood, which is the bit that's towards the outside of the tree. And the um, the core wood, which is towards the inside of the tree, if you um, if you cut it, and you, you can get that feature of the of the, the sapwood nice. coming through. Yeah. What they do on the guitars, acoustic guitars, they reverse it so the sapwood runs down the centre. Okay. Yeah. And I've i just kept it this with the sapwood running down yeah. the size like that, so you can see that change. Yeah. It's remarkable with different kinds of timbers. Like all um, all um, walnut grown in this country. is is European walnut grafted into an American rootstock, walnut rootstock, because it's just a hardier rootstock. And you can see the graft point. And sometimes you get a beautiful cut, where you can see the graft point running through the the timber on the base. I've done a few like this. And you can see the American walnut down there and the European walnut up there. Yeah, really? It's fantastic to see. (laughs) Yeah. It's nice to be able to see nature. Yeah. And look, it is... You can do some fantastic paint jobs and so forth, but the natural... um, the timber is just beautiful. Sure. And, and the, so the instruments that are going to be
0: coming out with uh, painted tops, uh, what, what will well, there'll be? There will be
1: <clears throat> this um, Queensland maple silkwood, which is a different species to the, um, the Queensland maple. That we use. That's a, some really, really beautifully, highly figured stuff, but it's a fairly um, light colour. So we're going to do different fade finishes on them from a, a red, a blue and a green. And, um, and you can see the oh, you can see the figure. The, the idea wood is wood. translucent, so it starts black there, and then just you see this beautiful translucent to red or green. And, or and the wood comes through beautifully. Right. You know, it's fantastic. Okay. And uh, yeah, so um, Paul, the, the the guy who runs the, the paint shop, um, Carl Clark, genius, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, He's, Hi, Paul. <laughs> so, but yeah, it was very very. Um, his his paint works absolutely beautiful. So. Okay but they all have a nitrocellulose finish on them. And these these, do? these are these are nitrocellulose. Yeah. yeah. Mine on my handmade ones i will use um, oiled and then a, a rubbed on um, gel varnish. That um, it's a beautiful finish. It's it's fantastic. But it takes days and days and days. Yeah, so yeah. And, and whereas that um, <clears throat> they can do five coats of nitrocellulose in a couple of hours. Yeah and it's a beautiful finish it comes up beautifully. Yeah, it's uh, a nice mix between
0: gloss and matte.
1: Yeah, oops, yeah. So, um, yeah, and we're talking about, yeah, that's the fingerboards, um, ask questions, I suppose. Yeah. Um, brass nut. Brass nut, yes.
0: Um, yeah. What was your uh, journey with that? And zero-fret, I mean, I've seen. Okay, yeah, 0 frets, brass nuts. Some people are like, it has to have a zero-fret, MTD, I Yeah.
1: Or 0 frets zero fret I think. makes a lot of sense in, in, when you think about it, but once, once if you've, got, if you think once you've it, got a nut yeah. set up properly, it doesn't make any difference as far as I'm concerned. What is the, the thinking behind the zero fret? Zero fret is... Um, to keep the, it consistent with fretting? Con, or consistent um, string height. So when, when you're setting up here, for example, you want... If I was to I'll hold this string down here, measure the distance there, I want to be the same there, okay? So the idea of the zero fret is you don't have to think about that, you just stick a um, zero fret on, you, your action will be totally consistent and your fret heights will be exactly the same all the way along. Okay. But once you set up, it's a bit more of a pain to put in a zero fret, it's a little bit more work, whereas once you get a nut on it and you set the height of the nut properly and you get that, those distances to be the same, Yeah. What's the difference? That's never going to move. A brass nut is, is never going to wear away. Yeah. And, um... It's, um... I can see, um... Uh, if you're doing a compensated, uh, like a BuzzFeed and, um... For intonation's sake. For intonation's sake. You... You, you see the nuts that they build on it. You see the, um... I've heard music, the Music Man nuts. And they're all, they're all cut in at different lengths and so yeah. forth to compensate. And, um much much harder to do on a zero fret although some people do and they have to change the, the angling of the zero fret yeah but um it's much easier just with, with the nut and look the brass nut is everyone likes a brass nut it's another but it was based on you know what do you think we should put on this you know what's what's um what do people really like and everyone comments on the fact that it's a brass nut but seriously as soon as you do that well, exactly it's taken out the green. yeah so I've tried all sorts of different um, nut materials mm. and um, it makes a very, very little difference. And like okay. I said, it's only an open string, And as soon as you fret a note, the the the, the nut material is, is has become irrelevant in terms of tonal. It's purely a matter of how long it's going to last. Mm. Um, um, and so the brass is just a good idea from the point of view of longevity, and it will last longer without having be. And I guess it's a, it's a metallic substance
0: which somewhat resembled Some, like yeah,
1: so, but it really makes on, on uh, so on the for example the fretless bass i make the uh, the nuts out of the same material the fingerboard's made out of all right, right okay so you look at double bass it's exactly the same thing mm-hmm. they don't stick brass nuts on double basses mm-hmm. and um i you oh, that be huge um so it's a matter of um I, I think in that particular instance matching the sound of the um the open string yeah. to the um to the sand the material in the frets, but I mean, there are different fret materials out there and so many different, um, formulations of the fret material. But a fret, the fret material is usually at least 65% copper. And the same as brass is, um, mostly copper anyway. So the brass and the frets do match okay. all the way along. Bridge? The bridge is, this bridge here it's is not, a, um, a brass hip shop okay. bridge, okay? Mm-hmm. And these are, are very, very nice. They're excellent. Um, uh, on the um, production models there'll be a, a Goto bridge and the goto bridges are beautiful as well same sim design similar design yes yeah, just, just, just. this is the exact goto bridge that we'll be using and um, again sit beautifully um, nice um, heavy material and the um, okay. and the saddles are very nice actually. There's some things about this that are a bit better than the hip shot in yeah, terms really? of adjustment and so forth, and other things that aren't. So, I mean, it's just a compromise to work out what's going to sit the best. But th- these are very, very nice bridges, and uh, it's also yeah, it's cost as well, because when you work to a cost on an instrument, yeah. you try and get the best possible. Um, uh, for your money, yeah. Yeah, for your money. And so. Again, I experiment and I can't tell the difference and no one can tell the difference between the the Godo the sounds of the Godo bridges mm. and the hip bridges We have the same uh, quick release, which is to me is a must. I yeah. I can't stand this. having to oh. pull the strings through it. Okay. And um, Look nice and sound good. So, um,
0: And have you ever experimented with through body stringing? Because that's a bit of a hot topic with some people
1: that I've spoken um, to. Okay. Uh, yes, I have and <laughs> it's, it doesn't make a lot of difference. Yeah. I, I think yeah. I don't think it makes any difference. Okay. It, the theory is there that it pulls the bridge down more. Um, this is the only possible argument you have like on a, um, so here this is set up, screwed on, it's pulling that way. Okay? Sure. so the screws have to stop the bridge from flying off. When the string through mm. the, the string through design, what you wind up with is the string pulling down, yeah across the bridge but rather, rather than, it's already it's, it's yes how yeah. much <laughs> if it's well screwed on it's a, got a lot of mass in it it's going to make no difference and mm-hmm. the more mass in the bridge the less effect whether it's strength with through the body or whether it's on the bridge itself it's going to have some
0: people say because it's anchoring into the body you're going to have more resonance
1: but this this is the point of string contact yes. right so. yeah so it, it, I, as long as that is securely fixed to the instrument and your big problem is people go, Oh no, it sounds different because they want it to sound different when they put it on. When well, you can actually AB them and listen to them and you have able to um, compare one that's identical instruments that have got this bridge yeah. and the next one, you go, Oh, seriously, it doesn't make yeah, a difference. Yeah, the difference would be a anything, yeah, it? But yeah. And um, so I wonder i wonder is going to make more difference to the yeah. sound than the actual, as long as a bridge. And it's one of those things too with light bridges and. Um, heavy bridges so the heavier the bridge the reflection of the energy backwards and forwards down the, um, the string is going to negate the sound of the body and anything else as okay. well the lighter ones you can get nice aluminium versions of the yeah. isn't, and that means the body will you get more, more of the sound of the body okay. coming into it so it's um, interesting because I had um, on
0: my F it came with the, the bent plate kind of fender yeah. through, through the thing and I swapped it out for a hip shot a style and i preferred the i preferred the hip shot style just had a slightly more compressed well that's because of the mass more adjustability yeah, yeah because of the mass yeah and so the mass sorry i'm just
1: going to just oops, a bit. yeah, the mass of the um whoops the mass of the the bridge is going to determine how much engagement there is with the body okay right. so again it's simple when you pluck a string you see it there's a pulse bouncing backwards and forwards down the okay. string it reflects off the bridge okay. the heavier the bridge the less energy is going to be put into the um, body so the less energy is lost more sustain okay? okay but the lighter the bridge the bridge will transmit energy into the, the body which more. isn't necessarily a bad thing it's not no. yeah. and, and you, all those early fender bridges that were quite light they sound good yeah, yeah. we all have one of them yeah so it's um, the, it's subtle and I, I did experiment with both aluminium and brass bridges and there was a subtle difference but certainly not enough for me to go oh wow you know Mm. and i think the brass bridge gives it a slightly more more sustain and a slightly brighter sound which is going to be inherent because you your high frequencies as you lose energy your high frequencies will die away quicker than your lower frequencies so a lighter bridge will give you a more mellow sound because you'll lose the high frequencies more you'll have the attack but the sustain will the high frequencies will die away quicker. Okay. Whereas on a brass bridge, it'll keep that brightness a bit longer and have more sustain. Fascinating. <laughs> I think and every, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully <laughs> I know. Be oh, look, a, <laughs> but every single thing on the instrument, it's subtle. It makes makes just subtle differences. Like I said, your positioning of the, yeah. the heights of the of the, of the pickups and, and. it's a combination of everything, yeah. really, isn't it? It's not really. It's not really like oh, I'll change up my bridge and I'll get this different yeah. sound. Anyone who thinks there's a magic Pill you take and everything becomes better. It's, yeah. it's wrong. It's just you subtly change this, you subtly change that. Yeah. Your choice of the, the string length with your 35-inch scale length on yeah. the on the five strings or 34-inch scale length on the on the four strings makes a subtle difference. The carbon fibre in the neck makes a subtle difference. The neck's more stable, it's stiffer. Yeah. You wind up with a much, much better energy conservation inside yeah. a stiffer neck. <coughs> so it's it's um it's really um a whole combination of different things. And yep. when you put them all together, you go, well, hopefully it works and hopefully it feels comfortable and people yeah. like to play it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, I've often seen things, oh, we've no this is massive two-tech bridges. Have you seen those? Don't think so. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's about a kilo of, like, it's so heavy. Is it the one that builds it, it into it, the body? Yeah, it goes right through the whole body. Now, the, the argument is, because then you have, literally, Five se- or four separate or five separate um, bridges all locked, locked together. And their argument is it reduces crosstalk between the strings. So if I go that, then the other strings will, will ring. Yep. And that, that helps eliminate that. My argument is get a better technique. but <laughs> Or do we want that? Yeah. And so by doing that, particularly, I think, for people who play with a lot of fretwork and thing, uh so uh, picks. Yeah, people use use pixel lot um, tend not to mute as much, and so you'll find that might be an advantage for them. But seriously, but the, the bass is heavy, yeah. And, yeah. It. And, it, and it alters the sound quite a lot as well. Yeah, but um, but for the most part, the, the idea of crosstalk to me is just you no. Know, there's your, there's your solution. Actually. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, strings. Um, Have you gone on a string one hole as well? Oh, I've tried everything so <laughs> far. Um, I've got to say I think the best strings in the world are the Fidera. right Right. Uh, and look, I can. when you're setting up an instrument, and you notice always the G-string's a bit shorter than the E-string. When you use a set of Federa strings, you get a straight line. They've got the, everything worked out just beautifully in terms of the, the tension in the string and the material and so forth. It's fantastic. And um, so I've tried. Okay. And they're the new are the nickels or...? The no, I, pref- I always prefer nickel ones. I don't nickel. like stainless steel. It's far too bright and ringy. Mm-hmm. But that's just personal preference on my part. That's not to do with anything with the strings. Mm-hmm. Then you have... I tried um, the new NY NYXL. Yes. They are very, very good. They're really? fantastic. Uh, and these ones are elixir strings. Okay. Uh, these are coated string. Yep. But, um but these are the ones we're going to be supplying the bases with, will be Elixirs. Oh really? Look, they're very nice, very um, yeah. good. The coating, um, hopefully the strings will last long is, is the idea. Cool. And uh, I'm quite happy with the sound of it, it works well. And it's, uh, nine times out of ten, people are going to replace the strings anyway with what they prefer. Mm-hmm. So what you supply them with, as long as it's a good string. Yep. And it, uh, but I do, after trying them all out, if I was on my high-end instruments, I would be always going. I'll put Federas on those because I just. Interesting. But the yeah the Cole Clark ones will have the Elixir strings on them, and don't they look great? Well, mm. these are all. That one's not, but all the others are Elixirs
0: at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to um, stick on back and rack and talk us through the preamp
1: and oh, EQ oh, setup okay. on this guy? So uh, that I picked up yesterday from the factory. That's the first. Sounds um, great. <laughs> yes, yep. that's the first um, run off the, uh, the CNC machines and so forth. So but you can see it's as rough as guts because we're just, I'm setting that up this weekend, putting strings on it to check that all the, everything's in a straight line. So you see the primary differences between my handmade ones. For example, they're going to be, um, the, there's a headstock join there, which is on mine, it's hidden underneath the laminations, So this is the Coal Clot headstock join, which we're yep. going to use. It's brilliant. It's, it's it's a Spanish. Looks really strong. Oh, it's incredibly strong, and it's, uh, it's it's based on what's called a bird's beak joint, which is a, a very very old design that goes back for centuries. Yeah. And uh, it's, it just means first of all less wastage of wood, um, and the uh, yeah, incredibly strong, and will be you can put a choice of different timbers on top as well, so you can right. have a blackwood um, on the back. No, no, it'll be just be plain on the back. Yeah. Yeah. But, you can have, but the whole thing we made of black wood oh, the whole thing okay. we made of um, whatever yeah. so you can change the mass of the headstock yeah. as well um, and at the moment we're just getting refining the, um, the, way the way the machines are carving the contours we need to go a little bit more aggressively there yeah. and in there but this is mostly this one I put this together on the weekend and it's mostly to see it. the springs align all the electronics sit comfortably in that so we can so there's, there's slight, they've got a couple of spots in here where you have to work out whether that's going to be um, in the right place or not. Sure. And everything sits in there. <clears throat> so this will be the first factory product of, yeah, factory produced prototype to get the actual construction right. So up until now you've handmade all the... Yeah, all, all the prototypes have been handmade by yeah. me. I've had them finished at the factory because I don't do spray finishes sure. and their, their setup is, is much, much better for that. Yeah, And so we're also working out how much has to be hand carved because mm-hmm. some will have to be hand carved initially and then some some stuff will have to be, um, um, but, but most will be done by the um, machine. machine. Yeah. Cool. So this is, uh, yeah, this, this gets dressed up on the weekend and we'll see that it huh? all, basically everything lines up and everything yeah. fits and then we work out, you know, how to change things. Uh, I'll have to go in and train some of the stuff and how to carve certain spots. Do you reckon this will be? No, it'll be more like this. This is what we're going for. So it's a it's a sort of a comfort thing I find when you hold the base and you get that <coughs> there's a balance and a comfort right. point there which I think is very very so you can either go like a complete carve out there or put a heel in. So you can have a heelless or a a base with a heel and I, on these I really prefer the heel. Yeah. It sits very nicely. Yeah. It's also the, the idea of the volute up there as well, mm. which is on this one, it's in the same place. And so it's, it's again it's a comfort point for yeah. me, is it? You feel where the, um, the end of the neck is, it helps you find So this,
0: this volute, it's obviously your bird's speak neck joint there. Yeah, so it's
1: got a volute in the same place. Yeah. It's just a different um, joint system. Yeah.
0: Cool. All right, well, talk us through your uh, your electronic choices. And
1: Ooh, okay. So it's an uh, Agua OB3, OBP3 yep. EQ on the inside, and <coughs> that consists of triple, middle, and bass down here, and you have a push-pull here for the center frequency for the um, the mid-range. That can be vary quite a lot depending on how you wire it up, but at the moment it's set to their, their preferred preset, which is 400 and 800, so 400 800 center if frequency. You sort of cut, boost all? Yeah, so yeah. And cut, and likewise here, and the bass. Very aggressive bass Is roll. That 60 or? Well, they won't tell me. It's it's good enough for them, yes. Yeah. And I've got to say, I... I um, Earlier this year, I sat down in LA with their chief designer, and he knows it. his stuff very, very well. Yeah.
0: I mean, the, the, they have to. I mean, how quickly the pickups and electronics have taken
1: off. Yeah. They must have got it. They must have got it right. And so we have... Um, Control which has the active passive switch built into it, so passive and it sounds sounds exactly the same. So everything is set flat, yeah. And I like the fact that the volume, yeah. So immediately, if your battery goes and we've all had that happen, so we about had to suddenly go to uh, the um, and you're running this on 18 volts, yes. Yeah, I yeah. think it's just um, it just sounds so much better. You can go if, if I, I first discovered this in. With um, a lot of EMG pickups, mm-hmm. there. nine volts fine. As soon as you went to eighteen volts. Oh wow! You can go to twenty-four <laughs> volts on um, EMG pickups. Just get your car battery into the gig club. Well, well, the idea <laughs> is that it's designed on a phantom power, so you just have a, a, a one-two step down on phantom power, and you can run an EMG setup off phantom power. Right, so, which is a very good idea. EBS amps used
0: to be or are able to deliver phantom power. Yeah, because they're pedals the little uh, FX pedals, they can run phantom power from a jack, the yep. way it's set up, from the
1: amp. Yeah, it should work. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly the same. And so you have then um, your blend. Okay. There. And you've got here an, a passive time control, standard Fender style passive cool. tone control. Yeah. And um, that's in circuit all the time because it's a completely different kind of sound, I think, to the treble. active EQs. Yeah. So you can. A lot of people ask me, "What's the difference between
0: the tone control and the treble control?" Because when you go from the tone rolled off to up,
1: yeah, it sounds like treble. Okay, so you, you've got a maybe you just explain. You've got that. a, a roll off filter here. So all that happens is that it gradually rolls off. you got to, um just attach a capacitor to the output, and as you wind in the capacitance, it rolls off the higher frequencies. Depending on the value of the capacitor, okay. then the starting point is different. Right. And do, and you, know, I, do you know what it is on? On this? Uh, it's like it's, you go by <laughs> the value of the capacitor. So this is um, forty-seven. <sighs> <Mega>. Nano farad, <laughs> yeah. So it's it. So there's really only two types that you use: a twenty-two or forty-seven. And um, they, yeah. So the that that works as yeah. a, as a just um, a straight roll And depending on the value of the capacitor, it's starting point and ending point will be different, right? as opposed to the treble boost, for example, I just cut it that to the roll-off, it's a different sound. Okay, the treble is more like a, like a cue, like an- F- Well, it's, just, it's a shelving, it's what's called a shelving EQ. Okay. And what it does is affect every frequency above the shelving point the same way. So you have, um, I don't know what it is on this, but it could be everything above 6,000 cycles a second, goes up or down. Whereas this simply rolls everything off on a curve. Sure. And um, the mid-range gives you a bell curve. So the bell curve moves backwards and forwards and the, the uh, bass EQ is, again, um, a shelving EQ. So, yeah, so. so everything below a certain point and everything above a certain point. Right. And none of the literature tells me what it is. So I'll have to, I have to ask good. them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's a secret, it's just, yeah. yeah. But yeah. They, they made a choice and I think if I asked them, they'd tell me, but <laughs> again, it doesn't matter what the number is. It's the, Like it sounds like it sounds like it's around 100 or 120 or something like that. Just word cuts in. And because it rolls off a little bit anyway, it's nice and warm. Look, they've again, they know what they're doing. The pickups sound great, and they matched it well to the EQs, and they work very, very well. And um, yeah, so that's basically it. The, uh, these are the Super Twin Coil. Uh, pickups that they make. They make a, so these are basically two rows of J-based pickups that they wound together. And the other ones that we were tempted by were the, there's a the bar magnet ones that they made, which were in a sealed one. Mm. I thought they, these sounded better, a little bit brighter, uh, a little bit more attack on the sound, which was suited to this. Um, I was very much one way or the other on them until I took it into a, a recording studio. Uh, with the guy whose ears I respect mm-hmm. and he said he'd rather record with these than record with the other ones. Okay. Yeah. That was a decision maker for me. Yeah. And uh, because they're really it they was similar in sound, but slightly different colour. Yeah. But you yeah, know, it was still that angular sound. And, um, and so these just had that slight edge, slightly more attack, which is felt a bit better. It's so that little attack edge that gives it the cut, particularly in recording. It was yeah, it's really, really important. Really yeah. Important. yeah. So you, hopefully, all going well. You'll be taking the first run to Nam. First run goes to Nam. We'll be taking somewhere between eight and twelve instruments, plus yeah. uh, several of my higher end instruments as a comparison, so people can see sort of the lineage of the, of okay. the development of the instruments, yeah. and um, hopefully sell a few. Mm-hmm. And then I think they'll stay in America. Well, they may not. I'm not quite sure what they're doing. It's, it's up to the company and then when we come back um, we'll have the orders from the American we've already got orders for about 60 or 70 from uh, Australia France Germany and England I think and we've also uh, and then we're hoping to get um, build up to 100 for orders from America from them and then start the first run and then hopefully take off from the skies a little bit yeah so
0: when do you reckon people could Rock into a shop in Melbourne and April. That's what what we
1: what we promised is April. April, yeah. And are you able to talk about pricing points? Oh, okay. Um, there's the. It may change. Okay. But sure. I, the, yeah. For example, if you want to hold that, yeah. This one, four string, blackwood top, uh, twenty nine ninety five. Yeah. It's going to be fretless, fretted. Doesn't matter. Yeah. I love the way people charge you more money for not putting frets in If you've ever fitted frets to a budget, I don't have to put frets in it, yeah. I should give you a discount. But um, the um, yeah, so it'll be that which means, and again, the, the recommended retail, which means the street price we're thinking is 24000 2500 which yeah. is very competitive. And I think it's very, very good. And so this will be one of the more expensive ones because it's five string and it's got the more expensive top wood. Okay, so you're going to have a bunch of options. Yeah. For words and so fingerboards. Ebony, fingerboard, blah, blah, blah. This will be about 3600 And yeah. again, its street price will be around about three. just below three. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, but again, because this is a more expensive timber, Ebony's more expensive, and yep. it's five-string. So this will be the top of the range, and this will be the sort of, not so much the bottom of the range, but this yeah. is like the, um, so the Blackwoods is is the top. I love uh, that. Oh, this is particularly nice. I would I'd be charging you more for this because it's spalted. <laughs> but um, yeah, but the blackwood will be the are uh, the basic, um, yeah, entry level one and four string. It'll be twenty, what is that? Yeah, twenty nine ninety five. Yeah, excellent. And they will be in like bass center and bass center and, um, I not up on all, all oh. the people who are going to carry it, but we know it's um, Correct. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Well, I'm sure
0: people are going to love them. They sound great. They play great. Um, yep. You know, you've had a lot of experience, you know, and, with the, and then you've partnered up with a great company, so. They're
1: Australian. And they're Australian. Australian. you got to leave the, <laughs> leave the L out. It's <laughs> and uh, I like the fact that they're all Indigenous Australian Timbs, except mm. for the Ebony. Uh, this will be standard with a gigi fingerboard on a fretless, which is hard as a rock. Yes. It's, it's harder than Ebony. And, um, and then the Ebony will be an option. And again, I don't know how much extra it's going to be, yep. but the Ebony will be an option as uh, and I, I think the gigi is actually slightly darker and throatier sound okay. than the Ebony. It's, um, but it'll only be an option on the, um, the Fretus, okay. but on the, we'll have uh, River Oak, hopefully, um, uh, Black Bean okay. sort of lovely timber and uh, the Ebony with the options on the Fretus. So no um, white timbers? The river oak varies a lot. It can be white and the the... Um, I didn't bring... Oh, there we are. That's a say um, the white... Oh, and the on, on the cup? On the white base over there. Right, okay. That is... Um, <laughs> this is the uh, black bean, which is beautiful. I really, really like this. Black bean... So this is... The fingerboard is black bean. Right, okay. So. And this is a very, very attractive. Wow. Sounds great. It's very, very nice. and I think the machine must have torn that up a little bit. So anyway, first, first run anyway cool yes all right no worries awesome man thank you very much
0: yeah thanks for coming around New canada everybody